Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Pete Hammond. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Today we're going to be discussing the Emmy contenders for Best Limited Series. And then you're going to hear a snippet from my interview with Chris Evans, a very interesting guy. We talked about Defending Jacob, which is his big limited series. Speaking of uh, those things we'll be talking about today. Chris Evans, not just Captain America. No, he's not, and uh, and he he's actually done about- a very he's done a very good job of moving past that very quickly. A lot of these guys, when they come out of these superhero franchises, they spend a little while. He was very quick with Knives Out, where he was fantastic, yeah. and he then he great. didn't make it with Michelle Dougherty, which was another quick a quick move and high profile. He loved it, you know, and he almost turned down Captain America, which we talked about that too. But um, you're going to hear a snippet of it, uh, and then you can go and listen to the whole thing. Yeah. Now, uh, now of course, this is our last TV talk of what we'll call the pre-nominations period of this Phase Emmy one. season. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, so many of you are voting as we speak, getting out there, getting online. I just voted. I just voted. You 20 categories. Who? 20 you categories. Tell? Yeah, it was crazy, man. Will you tell? Who did you vote for? Oh, my God. If we mention some of them, I'll, I'll say I voted for them, but I'm not going to say for what. Ow! But, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, at least in November, I know you're going to vote for Joe Biden. Am All I right. Gonna, I am going to vote for Joe Biden. I, yeah. you, I mean, but you never know. I mean, I'm suddenly torn. You know, Kanye looks pretty good. Oh, please. Kanye West. Really? Okay. What is well, in that let's, guy's Let's head? just put it this way. Kanye, <laughs> Kanye West's presidential 2020 uh, bid will maybe be the best limited series for 2022. <laughs> but, speaking right, of limited series. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> very limited series. It'd be like keeping up go. with the not so much. Anyways. No. Okay. In go. that vein, though, we have some amazing contenders this year that we think are going to be right up there. We have Watchmen. We have Miss America. We have Unbelievable. We have Little Fires Everywhere. Normal People. I know this much is true. Hollywood. The Plot Against America. Defending Jacob. Dispatches from elsewhere, Mrs. Fletcher, the Eddie. I mean, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. It crazy. These ones. That's a lot. And, and, and there's, it, there's a lot of excellence there. A lot of good. excellence. Uh, last week, we uh, inadvertently put normal people into our uh, discussion about drama series, only to find out that I got a call right away. Uh, you know, that's in limited series. And I was thinking, oh, you know, that felt to me, normal people, a half hour. 12 episodes felt like a season one of a series and maybe we would see more. And I think that is the intention, but it is in limited series here. So it's supposed to be. I I do think, I do think that when people do this and you know, people do play fast and loose to get themselves in the most advantageous position. That's great. Because I I know that when we, we, we were enlightened about this, I thought, okay, that's great. But if you do have a second season, and if you have won an Emmy out of this limited limited series, I think you might have to give it back. And there are more. I'm not, and I am not just pointing the finger at normal people because clearly that's not that's not fair at all here. But there are a number of people who maybe should have to pay up for their little sleight of hand. Well, then you're mentioning Downton Abbey, Big Little Lies, all of which went from a limited series victory two competing in the drama series. Uh, yeah, or, or there are others who have been anthologies and suddenly become series and then back to anthologies. It does that. Yes. There's a lot of sleight of hands that drive me crazy about the yeah. Emmys. Yeah, well, almost the word is much, limited. And, you know, we have to limit them. By the yeah. fact that Jackie Gleason does not have an Emmy nomination <laughs> or win. To be oh discussed God. later, if you have not His picked up on this. coming up today. Always I, coming up. 
I but was just talking in about. this one, for me, there's a lot of good things here. It really comes down to three. Unbelievable, which is unbelievably good. The plot against America, and which is based on the, 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 the great Philip Roth novel. And this, is, this was from um, executive produced by David Simon of, you know, The Wire, my favorite television show of all time, and Watchmen. And I and in many ways, let's be honest. You know, when, when we're when we're voting in the Emmys, when we're voting in the Oscars, we're voting for the shows we like, the shows we think are great. We're also voting because we're people in our own time in our own era. And I have to say, Watchmen clearly is almost prophetic in how much it is a part of the era we're in, from masks to 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 disturbances on the streets, to police brutality, to the, the reemergence of, of blatant white power symbolisms from the highest office and, and literally, literally people making what is the Cyclops symbol, as well as the fact of the matter, starting with the words Black Lives Matter written across the street from the White House in, in, in huge scale yellow text, they are literally the word on the street. So yes. I really do feel, oh, and might I add, Damon Lindelof and Regina King, who is a king and queen in this. I feel like Watchmen has to be the watchword. Well, it's interesting you mentioned those three because I have others. Ah. And uh, I'm not going to dispute you. All these shows are good. They're all worthy in their own way. I know you love the plot against America um and uh, good acting and that and everything i didn't quite get it but um mrs america I mean, the, here's the thing the plot against america is you have to remember there's a particular genre of subgenre known as david simon and there is a way of which he does storytelling that breaks many of the conventions that we've become used to for instance um brevity and speed not exactly a, not exactly something he, he plays he plays fast and loose with but i think that you know Different strokes for different folks, clearly, but also serious times demand serious storytelling. And there well, is these are no serious stories. Is this something of a Dominic Patton plot against Mrs. America? Which to me is so above it all here. It's just an incredible project bringing together all these wonderful actresses, top of their game, to tell a story here that deserves to be told and is still happening. They're still trying to pass the ERA. This show, by its very existence, brought that back into the uh, hemisphere yeah, here. I'm not, I'm not quite sure that's true, actually, but... I think it is true. Here's, I've my, seen here's my issue with Miss America, which is, which is there are amazing performances, and I am, I am a thousand percent behind anything that, tell, that, that tells America more about the great story of the great Shirley Chisholm. It's not that. It's that I felt that the format they used in the way that each episode was focused on a specific character and the way in which it was, it was detailed out. And the fact of the matter is, is that Phyllis Shafley, kind of like in superhero movies where the villain is kind of the one you're, you find yourself rooting for even though you don't want to, Phyllis Shafley, who certainly knew how to touch evil, if not right up against it. I will mention Donald Trump spoke at her funeral, if, if one of many things to, to mention against her. The, the woman who almost single-handedly, and there's some simplifications there, I think, that occur. Um, and I know a little about this because I basically almost wrote a book about this very subject. Um, uh, there's just too many broad strokes. And actually, part of my issue with Miss America is that nine episodes was not enough and I don't think the format worked. Well, 
You said Donald Trump spoke at Phyllis Shafley's uh, funeral. That's yep. interesting. I'm hoping that Kate Blanchett gets to speak at Donald Trump's. Having said that, I, I would give an Emmy for that. <laughs> having said that, I also uh, want to mention uh, Normal People, which we talked about. I thought that was a terrific show. Hollywood, which I personally loved. I loved the whole spirit of it and everything. And I well, thought Hollywood's that that- show made, Hollywood's almost a show made for you. It almost is. And I think it might almost be made for Emmy voters. And, That's a very uh, good point. That is know, a very good point. I think, though, you know- I, Don't I, underestimate I, I Hollywood here. I think one of the things with the Ryan Murphy series, this limited series is though, it may be perfectly made for Emmy voters. It also might be perfectly made to just be a little off kilter for Emmy voters. And this is a very interesting one of looking at um, how, how brave Emmy voters want to be and, and how far they want to take some iconography and they want to take some storytelling because kind of like the plot against America, um, Hollywood is alt history. And um, sometimes people go with that and sometimes they don't. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll see uh, where they want to go. It's always hard to predict what's in the mind of, of all the Emmy voters. I know what's in my mind, so I'll continue as one Emmy voter. Have you, Jacob, you, by the one way, of my favorites here. Have we mentioned anyone who you voted for yet? Yes, you have. You were uh, supposed to get, <laughs> we're going to give it up. Defending Jacob. Uh, is I think a terrific show. And I, I can tell from talking to people out there that they've been discovering that show as yeah. it goes along and they really seem to it's like really it. It's really funny, so isn't it? it? It's really funny is, you know, when Apple TV Plus launched, Morning Show was their big show. For All Mankind, the Ron Moore, another old history show about a dip, if the Soviet Union landed on the moon first. Um, C and, and Dickinson, which I just think is fantastic. I love Dickinson. Just love that show. So glad it's coming back. Um, and then there was this kind of like second, third round. There was the BC Boys documentary. There's a bunch of other things. There's Central Park, the animated show, which if you haven't seen, you know, it's not in, we're not talking about it today, but great show. Got to see it. Um, right. And then Defending Jacob kind of came in like when you sub in a star player kind of right towards the end of the game. And really, it I mean, really is not, good. I didn't think one of the greatest things I'd seen this year, but certainly, certainly a very, a, a very competent heavy hitter to get out there. Really good with a lot of movie names behind it, like yes. Martin Tildum and uh, Mark Bomback, who is a major screenwriter up for features. And this is his first big foray into television. Same for Morton in terms of American television. Chris Evans, uh, same thing. Obviously, Michelle Dockery came from uh, Downton Abbey. We should uh, just point out that the director of Defending Jacob was the director of Imitation Game. Yes, he was. And, and that's a great show. And I also want to mention um, The uh, uh, Little Fires Everywhere which I really liked as well. And, Wait, and, Renise, and you know, there's just too many Washington? here. There's too many to choose from. Well, see, this is the thing I feel that happens with this category year after year. And I feel like the culling is harsh when this happens here. Because how many slots do they have? Five? Yeah. Harsh. I'll tell you one that's getting nominated uh, is unorthodox. Yes, for sure. That for will sure. get nominated. For sure. Um, for sure. I think actually we haven't talked about it a lot. I mentioned at the beginning, but I do think unbelievable, which um, to quote myself again, was unbelievably good. Um, I think a very, very powerful drama, you know, cop dramas, murder mystery dramas, they, they take on many different forms right now. A lot of, a lot of people in Hollywood are having a, a lot of soul searching about the way that the police are going to be depicted on television. Way more the police should be depicted the way they were depicted on unbelievable because that was powerful. 
Yes. And it's good, you know, and it's good that the Academy on your ballot lets you vote for as many as you've seen and feel are worthy so that I could vote for a number of these. And, you know, for a change in the TV movie category, which is uh, set apart from this, usually it's just been, I can't find anything in, in recent years that I wanted to even bother to see this Ouch. year. And that's well, like I'm that's sorry. like both ends of your street, both as our as Deadline's movie critic and as a, as our award. Yeah, but to see really movies that are made here that that are genuine movie movies uh, is rare. They've just taken episodes of Black Mirror and called that the best movie. That's not happening this year. Actually, that was ruled just, ineligible. Let's be honest with Black Mirror. Netflix just invent whole new categories. Like I no. know, you know, it's okay. It's okay. So, so I got to mention El Camino, bad, uh, bad breaking movie, a terrific breaking job, bad but, movie. But yeah, we love that. Vince okay, okay. Gilligan. So let, let let's be clear. Let the thing about El Camino, whether or not you love it or hate it, and Pete and I have slightly different versions of this, but we were both huge Breaking Bad fans, and that's yes. where we come at this from the direction of being a huge Breaking Bad fan. And Emmy voters are massive Breaking Bad fans. So yes. to have the gang back together, and they are together. If you haven't seen it, spoiler alert: they're back together for a little bit. Um, yeah. You just get this. It, it's a dream. It, it's, it's great, what, it's and it was very well executed by Vince Gilligan, as was Bad Education, which, I, when I saw it, was a theatrical movie aimed at theaters, and then it had this huge sale at Toronto for $20 million, and it became an HBO movie, however well, is, it becomes. I'm, I'm going to stop you right here, okay? Yeah. Now, I am a huge Transparent fan, massive yeah. fan. From the very beginning, I think Transparent is a seminal television show. Yeah. I think the transparent finale was unbelievably adventurous, especially that it took the form of a musical as its baseline and then built up from that. And there are many, many interesting here's American Son, the unbelievable Kimmy Schmidt versus the Reverend, many other things here. Let's be honest, Bad Education with Allison Janey and Hugh Jackman is winning this Emmy. Well, it, it, it certainly would be deserving of it. Totally. Uh, it's it, great. It it's, it's, I feel in a sense, this, you know, Allison Janney has an Oscar. I feel in a sense that Hugh Jackman, there was daylight robbery happened because of the way rules work, et cetera, et cetera. This is not eligible for an Oscar. And this would be, this would be his Oscar. If he's going to have a, I mean, more, more of a great career to come, clearly. But he's there was in a be tough a category. That limited actor category. We didn't even mention the uh, a limited series. I know this much is true, but Mark Ruffalo in that is, is powerful, as are so many of the actors in these things. I want to mention, too, I love this movie called Togo. It's on the Disney Plus with Willem Dafoe. And it's just so well in, made. No. It's so good. <laughs> I, if you do nothing else today, go watch Togo. It is, after not, it is the ultimate not summer movie. But if I, you're too hot, if, you're, don't, if your AC is not yeah, working so great, great, it will cool you down. You know, don't hold the genre, the Disney name, the whole idea that you think it's just a kid's thing. It's really well made. Togo uh, definitely is something I will tell you I voted to nominate in this category, and I hope that can help it. Would but, you have um, voted? Let me ask you a question. Would you have voted for Nanook of the North? <laughs> if you uh, haven't seen Togo, I just kind of gave it away. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe not. The, the dog was amazing in this, and they're real dogs. <laughs> they really are. That um, is so the takeaway quote from today's podcast. Amazing. <laughs> right. Really? So, so speaking of amazing, I yes. am going to bring up our topic. All right. So we have 
to 10 episodes of this season and past seasons. We have talked about a lot of stuff we like. We've talked about a lot of stuff in COVID and other, other things that are going on in this country, the killing of George Floyd, the protests against, against racism, police brutality, all of these things we have talked about. We have also talked about a great American actor, filmmaker, icon of the entertainment industry who has not received an Emmy nomination. That's so incredible. I'm asking you, TV Academy, when is Jackie Gleason getting his due? All right. We're, we're going to beat this into the ground, but I really do Well, you're think... saying that, in, but we, we have beat this into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at some of these actors that are kind of snake bit when it comes to the Emmys, and, you know, Jackie Gleason we're using as an example here of somebody who's, who's due something like that and died, unfortunately, so it would be posthumous. But look at those people that sit year after year in the audience and they never win. I'm thinking of Steve Carell in The Office. Never won, never got it. You know, John Hamm went through seven seasons of Mad Men, losing every year. And finally, at the end, they decided to give him one. That's something that hasn't happened yet with the likes of a Steve. I remember Carell. years ago, you, I remember you writing about that. And I remember that being yeah. a very powerful column because it, yeah. just seemed, it just seemed like, what were they waiting for? What are they waiting for, you know, when they do it? And, and I know Bob Odenkirk has a couple of uh, Emmys for writing in the past. But nothing on Breaking Bad and nothing uh, so far on Better Call Saul. And here's a guy that just keeps topping himself season yeah. after season. We Academy voters are trying to prevent the outrage that happened to Jackie Gleason from happening to all of the actors still with us who are so good, who deserve Emmy. So I know we've spent 10 weeks here talking about who's going to win, who deserves it. Uh, the whole landscape of television. But let's remember the great talent here, and not everybody can win, not everybody can get it, but they are all winners. So, so when you do this, when you demand of your categories, of your guilds, of, you demand that Jackie Gleason get this posthumous, posthumous Emmy, you're doing it for Steve Carell. You're yeah. doing it for I'm doing it for all the people that exactly. Emmy tends to overlook. You're doing you know? it for Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. As, how can you not do it, is the question. That's it. And we know that the Spread great the wealth. will be there to give it to, to, to give it to Jackie, who will be looking up. Well, I was going to say looking down, but Jackie Gleason might be looking up, to be honest. Um, so you know that this has to happen. Well, what you know his co-star, Art Carney, I think won like five Emmys. And, you know, and, and Jackie Gleason never. And then Art Carney um, won the Oscar, Harry Antonio. Jackie Gleason didn't, not nominated, but didn't win. You know, so sometimes you're just, you know, you've got a star over your head and, and everybody loves you and you keep winning. Like you mentioned Regina King at the beginning of this podcast. Regina King can't lose, okay? Regina no matter King where she lose. is. Three Emmys, an Oscar, can't lose. We've got to get the people that maybe deserve it. Let's all we're saying here is spread the wealth. And I want to say, spreading the wealth, this could be your opportunity, voters, to give Chris Evans such a good actor in so many that things. That is the best segue ever. <laughs> His first major show business nomination. He hasn't had one yet. And if ever a project uh, could bring it to him, it's Defending Jacob, where he really gets into a complex a uh, troubled character playing a, a, a district attorney, assistant DA, whose son is accused of murder. And that, that sets off all kinds of things and all kinds of challenges for this actor, as I found out, 
when I talk to him. Take a listen. I want to start with defending Jacob because I still am shaking from that show. I got to, <laughs> good, I, good. That's, that's by design. <laughs> I got to binge that that series sort of before it went on the air. I, I saw all of it, and we just couldn't stop. My wife and I. I mean, we just oh, had to keep watching. It really is like an eight-hour movie. It, yeah. it, you know, it it seems not like a television miniseries or limited series to me. And I think, I guess it was actually intended that way originally. They were thinking about making it as a movie. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Well, a movie like this, I mean, these, these types of movies are very much up my alley. And, and, you know, 20 years ago, this would have been a movie. This would have been, it would have been all engine. It would have been all plot. And it, it would have been, you know, very entertaining. But there might not have been as much opportunity to let it uh, breathe a little bit. And, and let there, you know, be some, some layers and depth behind the moments. Yeah. What about this one? When it came to you, you're also an executive producer on it, too. Yeah. So you're working behind the scenes as well to make sure it turns out well. But um, what about this? Because you've been doing movie after movie and you're in a big screen and stuff. And this is a rare foray into into television. Sure, sure. I, I in my in my eyes, I feel like you know even that you know twenty years ago, the lines between the two mediums may have been a bit more clearly drawn. These days, I think there's you know, a lot of really wonderful risk-taking and, and unbelievable storytelling uh, happening in, in, in the TV world now that streaming is ubiquitous as well. Um, and, and really, it was just about meeting with Mark and Morton and, and uh, you know, you take a little bit of a leap of faith. They only show you the pilot, so you don't know where it's going to go. But eventually, you just kind of say, I, I, I want to work with these people. Um, and, and, you know, it was such a wonderful experience. They're, they're, they're really collaborative, wonderful people. Yeah, it's interesting. You're playing, you're, you're working in Boston, where you're yeah. from. Yeah. So that's not a big stretch in, in the location. <laughs> no, and that was a real luxury. I got to sleep in my own bed. I mean, I was seeing my family on the weekends. It was great. It was great. Yeah. Uh, what was it about playing Andy, uh, the assistant DA you play here? It's a very complex character. I don't think I've quite seen you do one like it. We were talking just before we went on about a movie that I really loved that you did uh, called Puncture. Yeah. And you played a lawyer in that. That's and, right an addicted <laughs> a, dr a drug addicted lawyer um so that was a very complex uh uh jump into law in a different way as is this too because all of a sudden you're playing a, a father whose son is accused of murder and you and, and uh and you have to deal with that on so many levels that's right yeah actually oddly enough those two characters from from puncture and this both are, are kind of uh struggling with guilt in my opinion that was one of the most appealing elements of uh, defending jacob where you have a guy i don't want to give too much away but but he has a history and and uh it's it's it has some skeletons in his closet and i think a lot of people who have trauma in their past tend to bury it and, and really don't try to address it but but that that guilt you may feel uh, as a result of whatever the circumstance was it never really goes away it echoes and it manifests in a lot of uh you know tricky ways and, and Andy gets thrust in this circumstance where all of a sudden all of that guilt and shame is exhumed very publicly. Um, and and I, I just thought that was such a great story to examine, uh, you know, that, that that perspective on what would normally be a, uh, you know, a CSI episode. Does this whet your appetite to do more television if you can find this kind of material there that... Absolutely. Uh, I think that, you know, there's something really... I was always, you know... I, look, I love the movie structure. I like the idea of having to tell a story and wrap it up in a finite amount of time. But, but after doing this, you know, it's, we consume this type of medium almost the way we consume literature. You know, you, you, you 
process it in chapters and, and it stays with you in between sittings and, and the really good books, you know, you can't wait to get back into it. And then, you know, within one page, you're back in the world and, and that return to the experience and that return to the characters and the, the downtime to examine is a really unique way to kind of consume this medium. So I, absolutely, I, I actually really enjoyed doing it and I'll definitely be looking for them in the future. Yeah, obviously, you know, uh, in your film career, you started, uh, I guess, with Fantastic Four, actually. You started in that whole Marvel universe and doing yeah. that. And yeah. you actually resisted uh, going in, I guess, and, and doing Captain America, which was actually would have been a terrible decision on your part. <laughs> we wouldn't be having this discussion with you right now, you know what I mean? It really would have been an unfortunate choice, yeah. It was such a unique thing. I, I actually remember interviewing the Russo brothers. They said they want to do an interview with me because they want to know why a movie like that doesn't get nominated for Best Picture, why why the industry doesn't appreciate it in that way. And I said, well, if they'll say that, great, let's do that interview. And we did. And, you know, and, and you look at a picture like Winter Soldier uh, and, and you, you see that place on so many levels and different ways and not just as a superhero movie uh, and all of that. And they had a point, you know, there is real substance to these movies. Absolutely. There, there, there's enormous thought and consideration that goes into these story arcs. And, you know, if you take that, the, the Marvel moniker off those movies and characters that aren't identifiable from comic books, th these movies would be lauded in that way. Uh, you know, I'm not saying everyone's a home run, but, but they really sometimes turn out some really, really impressive movies. You know, he, he's really great in this, but it, it really is hard for me to get past the he always being Captain America thing. I'm just saying always going to be hard. So listen, thanks for listening to this season of the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Make sure you subscribe to us. I know you listen to us, but make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And of course, you can find all of our breaking news, coverage of TV, film, business, and everything affecting our industry as usual on Deadline.com. Now nominations are going to be announced on July 28th. We'll be talking. Till then, thanks for joining us. Goodbye. <laughs>